Hello and welcome to Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers, Superintendent of Schools for A-Leaf ISD, and I want to welcome all of our listeners. Uh, I know we have listeners from all over the area as well as the country, and in, and believe it or not, we have uh, lots of listeners uh, in other countries across uh, across the world. So thank you for joining us, and I hope you find today's episode uh, educational and probably a little bit entertaining, but also when it's all said and done, I hope you realize how important our parents are to the education of not just their own children, but just children in our district. So with that, our topic today is parent engagement. You know, some people refer to this as parent involvement, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time talking about or distinguishing between those two, the term engagement versus the term involvement. And I know it I know it sounds simple and maybe a little nuanced, but it is important in how we approach uh, our families in A-Leaf. For this conversation, I've got three ladies here that are deeply, deeply involved in the work of our family engagement centers in our district. And you're going to hear a lot from them as we have this conversation. In our district, we actually uh, have, in every one of our schools, a family engagement center. And that is an actual physical space that uh, families are invited to come in. It's a safe place, and they're invited to come in, and we do a lot of things to help support moms and dads in ways in which we hope helps them help their own children. So uh, we have staff members that are dedicated to those family engagement centers, and then we have staff members who are uh, dedicated to helping support those engagement centers, and that's who you're going to hear from today. So with that, I am going to ask these uh, ladies. We have Chancellor Terry, Miss Yadira Campos, and Laura Escamilla. I'm going to ask them to introduce themselves, uh, maybe share just a little bit about what their role is, and then we're going to get into the conversation over our family engagement centers and how important that is to the education of of all of our kids. So, Chancellor, I'm going to start with you. Yeah, sure. And thank you for guys for being here. Thank you for having us. So I am Chancellor Terry, and I'm the coordinator of family and community engagement. I've had the honor of serving in that role for the past seven years and been here in Ailey for about 22 years as a teacher and after-school program coordinator and grant writer. So super excited about the opportunity to lead an amazing team as we work together to engage our families. Hi, thank you. My name is Jadira Campos. I have been volunteering Ailey for 10 years. Uh, 10 years ago, when I came here, here from El Salvador, I didn't speak English. My first teacher was Mrs. Camilla. I went to uh, Bush Elementary, have been volunteering over there. Um, I don't have my own children, but I help my sister with my twin nieces. We have one in Oli in the STEM Academy. The middle one is in Mara Intermediate. She's on the dual language. And the little one is still in Bush Elementary in dual language. Um, all my family is involved in Elif. My brother graduated four years ago for Elsie High School. He was the number three of his class. He will graduate this um, this summer from Texas A&M with a bachelor in sci- and computer science. My sister works for Mahaini in a new program with autism uh, children for three and four years old. And I pursuing a, a teacher career. Uh, being involved in Elif helped me to find my, uh, my future is be a teacher. I got my... My associate in ours last uh, summer, and this year I enrolled in University of Houston, Victoria, pursuing a, her early childhood and through sixth grade. And my, I want to be a teacher in a future in Elif. so I can be say I'm the present, and I can tell how uh, family center help parents to find the resources and how the children can develop better. Thank you. We're going to talk more about your kind of your involvement from being a parent 
yes. new to this country, just and all that goes along with the newness to where you are right now in ten years. Yeah, ten years. Good, ago. goodness gracious! All right. <laughs> um, I'm Laura Scamia. I am the lead family liaison for family engagement. Um, I've been with the program for um, about 23 years. I've worked for Aleaf about 28 years. Um, I was part of the the pilot program when they first started family engage well it was parent involvement then and now it's family engagement i deal now with more the early child early pre-k pre-k programs <laughs> and um i oversee that but i also oversee our family liaisons and their family centers and i've had such rewarding experiences with everyone like Yadira said I've worked with um, lots of families I've had I've worked with families who started with me for our our actually our side-by-side pre pre-k programs when they were three and I've had uh, their children graduate from colleges now and they've come back and talked about their experience with Ailey so I feel like I've had a lot of experience with family engagement um, and, and um, to have those families and their children come back as adults to to talk to me so I'm here to share my experience with Ailey thank you Chancellor just talk about the difference between family engagement versus family involvement or parent involvement. Yeah. Uh, and then kind of what is it, what's a day in the life of a family engagement center yeah. entail? So I can say that across the state is shifting from parental involvement to family engagement. Um, when we first kind of relaunched family engagement here in Leaf, we began with just making everyone aware what is the difference between involvement versus engagement. And an involved parent, that's not a bad parent. An involved parent, um, funny enough, many of us in education are involved parents. Um, Some of us get to be engaged parents, but involved parent means I am maybe communicating with the teacher. I am coming to an event. I'm able to look at my child's grades. But maybe I don't engage at a high level at the campus. Yadira is a great example of an engaged uh, parent because she really comes into the school. She has a voice on their FAME committees, which are committees on the campuses, families actively and meaningfully engaged committees where our parents, the community, and all of them meet once a month just to focus on moving family engagement forward on the campuses. And so you have those engaged parents that actually have a voice. We like our families to serve in different roles, whether they're advocates, supporters, they are cheerleaders for their children. Every part and piece of that is so critical and important. But it's also important for our families to be advocates for their children, to meet with their teachers, to actually come to the school and have a voice in the role of education. Even in Leaf, we're very unique in the fact that we have a FACE Advisory Council, which is a district-wide council that focuses strictly on family engagement. Um, just recently, just uh, this week, we recently had a meeting and we were excited that over 40 family members were a part of that on along with principals, um, APs, uh, teachers who came to say, we feel family engagement is important and we want to help in the future and strategic plan of family engagement here in Leaf. So it has definitely in, um, evolved over the years. Laura can definitely give a real good picture of what it looked like when she first began. Um, Laura was one of our first family liaisons here in Leaf, And so we definitely wanted to bring her on board on the center 
central team and help us give us her wisdom and knowledge on um, the things that we do in the future. And definitely Yadira can share a little bit about how she's engaged in the campuses versus involved in our campuses and across the district as well. When we first started the program, um, I remember coming in and, uh, well, we had our new superintendent come in at that time, uh, Dr. Smith, and he came in from like the Valley South part of Texas. And um, they had started their family centers then. That's what actually they were parent centers then. And he came in and he said, hey, this is probably something I want to try. They came in and took about, I think it was four of our elementaries. And they started with that. And they said, let's go ahead and see if we can bring these. And they, they took about, I believe it was three of the liaisons where we were um, parent educators then. It took three of us along with like four principals and we went out to the Valley area to check the parent centers how they were and uh, we noticed that there was a lot of involvement. Uh, the families were known by the staff. The staff knew they could depend on these families and so um, they said let's run with it. Let's do it. So Aleep went ahead and took on four campuses and um, at that time I did not become a parent educator at that time. It was part of the, the process to initiate it and the folks that we hired to be our parent educators were out of our nutrition department, our transportation department, a custodial department. Um, we started with these folks because one thing that they did tell us was if you want it to work and you want your families to trust those who are in your parent center, you need to get families who understand the other families. So we took these these folks and they did a great job. We saw them coming in, you know, families who would didn't think, because at that time they thought, I'm not supposed to go into the school. The school is for teachers and for students. And so that's where we started to build that. And we started to um, bring those families in. And the district said, let's do it. It works. The following year, the district hired 21 parent educators. And so that's when I came on. I went ahead and um, started with them, and we had it at 21 campuses. And um, after that, during that time, we offered English classes, our parenting classes, which were our parenting classes were very um, state focus. Like we did uh, what we worked together with TEA, their parenting guides. And so we did that and the families loved it. They would go through these classes and um, they would get recognized after they, they went through these classes. And then our families thought, wow, I get to learn English and I don't have to pay anything and, and I can bring my child with me at the same time and we, we provided that area all the time for non-school age children. So then we saw it started to grow and we kept it that way and then um, that was also headed by our um, our famous leader at the beginning was um, Helen Mata. She was awesome. She I think it was her spunkiness that, that um, also brought the families because they saw that somebody who was our leader um, was also really into it as well. She believed in it. She knew that um, she always shared her story where um, her own father was a custodian at a at one of the schools. So that's how she grew up, you know, knowing that families are important. So she believed in it and it grew from there. And after a while, we've had a couple of coordinators after Miss Mata retired. And then we have Chancellor Terry who came in, has done a tremendous job. We started linking it more to academic. Not that it wasn't academically supported. I just think that now we actually link it to academics. Um, we, we make sure that our families who come in leave knowing that they are assisting and helping their own children 
academically and their families grow. Um, I still remember having the family center being a liaison because I was I was a liaison for 17 years there in the family centers. I've worked with lots of families, and I had a family who came in, and it was a dad. I never forget. He, he came in, and um, he said, I need to learn English. He said, my child is in pre-K, and I work. I leave for work at 10 o'clock. I have to be in. He said, what time do you teach your class? And I said, I can teach it early so that you can come, and then you can leave. I think he came twice by the next those next class dates. His wife came in, her sister, her parents, and <laughs> um, the whole family was there. And they said that they couldn't believe his will to learn. He did it on his own. Though his wife admitted that when he told her, I'm going to go to those classes, they had, I guess, received one of my flyers. Um, I'm going to go to those classes. She's like, okay, that's fine. And so they saw that. I'm happy to say that those families, their children, and they all um, they all went through. I started off at Bush. They were at Bush Elementary with me. Alexis is their son. Alexis now. I believe he's receiving his master's right now from Sam Houston State. They contact me all the time. I keep in touch with them. It's just so overwhelming to know that this little start gave them that want to continue and make sure that they were always supported. So the mom was like, no, I'm going to be the one because he has to go to work. But he still he found time to come to our center. He found time to take a little bit because we're open and we were welcoming, I guess. He said, I'm going to take advantage as much as I can, but I have to work. And it it just worked out like it's just it feels so good to know that it did. It affected their whole family. And I believe they have two more children, and they attend our A-Leaf schools as well. So I it, think the know. impact that you mm-hmm. see from the family centers, a lot of times the liaisons teach for about six hours a day. They teach about three or four different courses, and then they have open center for families to come in for individual help, finding mm-hmm. a job, um, maybe one-on-one help with getting their citizenship or parenting or how to help their children at home. But the impact that it has on generations past that one person coming in, parents that we hear about getting jobs, many of them come and work for ALEAF, it's amazing, and then them getting their citizenship, the doors it opens for them, um, them being able to just to help their children at home because this is our thing. We don't say you have to know the math. You have to know the English. We encourage them to read with their child, play with their child, eat with their child, and talk with their child. If you can focus on those four things, and every parent says, well, yeah, I can do that. you know. And so when they focus on those four things, they feel like I am valuable to my child. And we have many families that come in that just feel like I don't think I can help or I don't know if I'm welcomed, or I don't know if I can add value to the school. But many times when they come in this center, and you can definitely talk on this, they find their value and their ability to be able to be a contributor to the school, to the community, and to their child's education. So it's a beautiful story to be able to see stories like this. And there's so, if you had liaisons in here, we would, this in this podcast would go on for hours, the stories <laughs> that you would hear about lives changed that began with some, a parent taking the step to just walk into the school. Yeah, yeah and I, I believe the involved uh, between uh, engagement involved as a parent to can read the folders and go to the 
meetings or so or pick out the children but with this engagement is something else because I can see some parents in the family center they never took English class because they cause the time but here they can bring their own children and we learn we help us to learn I remember when I I was uh, my first year I had my little niece and Melissa and Hazel Melissa was so shy she sit down with me the whole time and she took us side by side by that time and she opened us a shell and we saw the difference between the two that went to a family center and took jumpstart and side by side to the other one doesn't have that opportunity. They know the the letters, they know the numbers. So that push um I always tell the the families and the parent center. It took me a long time to learn English and I came as you came. I didn't speak English, Miss Mrs. Camilla can say that. <laughs> and now see me where I'm did. Yeah. Also, I have the opportunity to go uh, classes to, for the Harris County Department of Education because I went to the family center and I saw the flyer and I went to a kilometer of school. But that time they, they taught the classes over there. I went through all ESL. I took my GED over there and I graduated as the first, uh, that was the valedictorian of my class. <laughs> and I, I don't believe it because I say many of these people born here, they speak English and I came out from another country. And I told them, um, it's an engagement that helped me to understand the importance of being a parent. I don't have my own children, but I see the difference with my nieces. They see, oh, you didn't come uh, to this uh, event. You didn't come to take breakfast with me. And now they are pursuing a career. They All this uh, next year is going to be high school. She wants to be a RN. Mm-hmm. And she say, if my aunt and my uh, my uncle, they came from El Salvador, came uh, have a, a degree, I can do it. And that's uh, Elif helped them because they go to many uh, activities. She was in STEM. She loved that. And the other two are in the dual language program. So they engage and the other two want to be a teachers too. So since they are little, I can see how Elif helped them. And it's not only only not for the teachers, it's only for the family centers too, because we engage. Also, um, a part of engagement, I am in the committee for Teacher of the Year, which is a great experience. I am the committee for uh, Extender GR Force, and I in another committee. Equity committee, equity the new committee. committee. The equity, yeah. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a huge thing I learned, and I know in the future I can tell you know what? I started from the bottom, and now I'm. I can be a teacher, and I can help many children to pursue their dreams. There's hundreds and hundreds of directions we could go with what you guys just talked about. If you live in a leaf, or if you work in a leaf, or if you're familiar with a leaf, then some of this is not going to be um, surprising to you. But if you're not familiar with a leaf, or you just are aware of it, or if you live in another state and you never heard of us, or you've just gotten to know us through the podcast. One of the things I think is important to distinguish because the families that Laura and Chancellor are talking about, and Yadira is representative of one of those families, we have many, many families that are moving into this area from other countries, um, you know, documented, undocumented. It's just we, we take them as they come and take them as they are. But one of the things that's very, in my nine years here, it's been very apparent is that they just are looking for an opportunity to help. They're looking to be helped and so that they can help. The engagement centers are, is kind of the opening of the door, if you will, of a, of a school. And so I'm, I'm curious, Yadira, from your perspective, 
a school, the physical school, like the actual building of a school is an intimidating place. It's intimidating if you've never been in one. And if you've if you're new to this country and you don't speak the language and you don't you don't know any of the adults, you don't know any of the culture, you know it's you know it's a school, but that's all you know. Talk about how the Family Engagement Center maybe helped break down this intimidation of this big building, this big bureaucratic because that's one of the things I worry about is, is is our system so big and so bureaucratic that, heck, we got people that live here their whole life that speak the English language that don't know how to access it. Yes. Much less someone like you. So talk a little bit from your experience. And it's hard that. because we have a, a big undocumented uh, a community. Right. And sometimes it's a scare and fear to go in a, a building that you know is a school and is a get people can call police or something. And family engagement is a different because we tell them, don't, don't worry. You don't have your uh, driving license. We are open. It's a safe place. It's a safe place. And you can talk with other people. And sometimes they say, oh, no, maybe uh, the police can come and, ca- and call me and take me away from my children. We tell, no, we are going to find a way to help you. And we have resources. Even in the months, we know, oh, I hear this. You can do this. And we help. So family engagement is the place to you can take out the fear you have because it's a new country. You don't know the language. You don't know how to word everything here. It's hard. And some of these people came for for the countryside. They didn't go to a city. Mm-hmm. So it's scary for them being a huge city as Houston. And in the family engagement, they can find the way to help their children too. Because sometimes, as we know, we have a a lot of bilingual teachers, but it's hard to talk with the teachers. Because in our countries, it's not like this. In our country, we don't have teacher conference. In our country, we don't have the structure we have here. So family engagement helps to connect parents with the school and help their children. I'm glad you mentioned that. I just think that many people in the community that don't have anything to do with the school system while they may on a subconscious level recognize this, we deal with it every day. And if if a school system, and this is any school system, it's just not A-LEAF, but if a school system's primary mission, if our core mission is to educate the youth uh, to be good, well-rounded citizens prepared for whatever they're going to do in their adult life, if that's what the taxpayers have charged us with, then we must have a system that, or a part of our system that it is uh, accessible and that many of the, the families and the children that, that you guys and Yadira is talking about can access. This has been going on for a long time, as yeah. Laura talked about. This is this is a long history of it. Mm-hmm. We recently even started. Um, now, we've, we've done home visits in the sense that at the beginning of the year, we'll go to the community. Hey, school's starting. Welcome back. And it's kind of more of a walk by through the community, which have been very impactful. But we've even extended that on a lot of our secondary campuses now, where we call in advance and tell the parent, hey, we want to come do a home visit with you. And like you were saying, our fear at first was that families would be afraid of us coming into their homes but it has been truly amazing for them to open their doors and we tell them don't cook don't do any of that but they lay out a full spread they you know but the conversation is amazing because we go in and these are our teachers so these are our teachers doing this outside of their work hours on the secondary level we have one teacher at Hastings that has visited every single one of her students homes so 150 homes she's gone to it's amazing and so they go in and they ask very simple questions they just ask 
What are your hopes and dreams for your child and for you? And then they just let the family share. They don't talk about grades. They don't talk about any of those other things. They talk about what matters to our families, and that is them getting their children to that next level. And it's so funny because many of our families, they all have the same dreams just like us, that our children do better than them. Oh, yeah. You know, so it's it's truly amazing. And I love that they open their doors to us. And then our hope is that they'll come back and know that our doors are open for them as well. And we've seen that um, where one dad, he said, you know, wow, I've never had anyone come into our home to say anything good about our child. You know, his child was involved in other things outside of school that may not have been as positive. And so to have a teacher come and sit with him and just talk about the goodness of his child, that totally floored him to tears. You know, so that's the impact we get to make with the relationships and connections we build with the families in our community. It's been amazing to watch. Yadira, you mentioned earlier the jumpstart and, you know, two and three year old. I want people to be aware of the efforts that have been put in place and that continue to be put in place to help our parents with not just school-age children, but our our youngest of youngest, you know, our two- and our three-year-olds. And I I ask this because a lot of people know about pre-K, and there's a lot of publicity and a lot of discussion in this district about full-day pre-K and all that. But let's talk about what a lot of people don't realize is how much effort we're putting into three-year-old programs and two-year-old programs. Um, When we first started, you know, we started thinking, well, if the children, the non-school age children are invited to our family centers, why not work with them? So So these are um, the kids parents are bringing with them. Yes, the babies. The babies, yeah. The babies, actually. And so, and then also, um, pre-K has always been half days. So if you want your parents to come, those pre-K parents also, if the child didn't go until the afternoon, go into school until the afternoon, they would bring those pre-K students with them in the morning. Or vice versa, they would bring the afternoon, the morning classes, uh, pre-K to their afternoon to Family Center. So we thought, why not start working with them? One of our coordinators at that time, her name was Kate Robertson, she came up and said, you know what, let me providing some materials for you guys to to work with your, your families and the children. So we started with like little book readings, just circle time. She thought, let's do something where they can actually take it home they'll get it here and then they take it home. So we did that and we've always provided and that's where we started our toddler skills, what we call our toddler skills, which are still being offered today in our centers, toddler skills. And so when they come to the family center, they necessarily have to be in Jumpstart and Lena Start program because they are still receiving some kind of help with their children. And so we started off then, we she said, you know, let's just go and do a whole curriculum. So she wrote a curriculum, which at that time, several years ago, might be even 15 years now, she did a program where we called it Side by Side, which is a home-based program. And she's like, we already have family centers because, you know, every time we, we went to go find out about it, she said, let me look into it. And she looked into a program that HISD was working with, and it basically had their parent educators going into their actual homes to work with those children. And so then they were out there. But she's like, well, why not offer it in the center? You guys are already here. We can have the curriculum and then you present it to the families and they can take it home. So that's how the home-based program started. And we did that. 
and we had a curriculum written. I think it was like a 20-week program. And basically, our parent educators would present it to the parent, and the parent would uh, look at the lesson, take it home that week, and work with the child, bring it back, give another book, materials. And so we continued that, and, and the parents loved it. They, they thought it's great. However, after a while, what happened with the program when it was side by side, a lot of our books became out of adoption or even just the curriculum to us. Let me tell you the story anyway. The pre-K teachers would always tell us that when they would get their students in, they, they would tell us and say, I can tell this child was a side by side child. Because they came in knowing so much. They had like a little jump. Something was there and they could tell. However, that they started asking, what you know, what are you showing to them? What are you giving to them? And that's when Miss Terry came in and she's like, Why shouldn't we just rewrite the program? We'll revamp it to where it is in line with A Leaf's criteria. So that when they leave our jumps, well, we call it jump start now. So what's jump start? What age group is that? It is our three-year-olds. Okay, so we have three-year-olds. So they have to be three. We try to focus on the three before September 1st so okay. that when they finish our program that school year, they will be four before September 1st, and they can go into pre-K. And as you know, pre-K is not guaranteed either, so you know that it's on the basis of language and basis of income. So I think that's what really helped a lot of our families because those families who don't fall into the base of income, the basis of language, and their child doesn't get accepted into pre-K, at least they got some type of head start in our Jumpstart program. Mm-hmm. And so we did that. And when we started our program, as I should go back to our side-by-side, when we started the program, then it was based on first come, first serve. And it was based on first come, first serve because at that time, our principals had the option they had the option of offering it. We've always had it like at a, at a reasonable price, which you can say for all the books and the materials. But it was up to our administrators if they really wanted to buy in. So we had some schools who would do five families, some schools who would do 10 families, some who just chose not to have it. So then it went like that. So then you saw, but like as our pre-K teachers started coming to us saying, you know, I really see a difference in these pre-K students coming in who have had Jumpstart. And then when we revamped it and had it in line, what, how we did that was uh, Miss Terry took in two pre-K teachers and a kindergarten teacher, along with myself and another liaison. We sat down and we did the whole curriculum. They helped us get it in line so that when the child leaves Jumpstart, they, they are so ready for pre-K. Mm-hmm. And it's a 22-week yes. program. The parents leave with 22 books at the end. We do usually a Jumpstart graduation. We say celebration. Cutest thing in the world to yeah, see over, are. gosh, over 240 little ones walking across the stage with their parents. And one thing that we hear them say is, like, those children, they are eager. So when it ends, they're like... I'm not going to school today. They say yeah, school today, oh, yeah. you yeah. know, and, and it's funny because the teachers will say they're able to sit longer in class. Their attention span is better because they've become accustomed to that. And then I know, Laura, you are also going to share a little bit about our new two-year-old program, which is our Lena Start. And we're very grateful for Jumpstart because Rice University and the Arnold Foundation came in and funded study Correct. on that program. So even now we're able to track the progress of those students. And so with that success, the Lena Foundation, along with um, Rice University, led by Flavio 
Yakumbia, Yakumbia was able to come in and fund the Leaner Start, which is our two-year-old program, which Laura will share. And it's amazing how we're able to, in A-Leaf, begin to engage with our families before they're even officially, in a sense, our families. We reach out to them and begin to educate their children because we believe in the importance of early childhood so strongly. When we first heard about Lena Start, actually, Lena is an actual device. It is a small device where you can probably describe it as a walking Predominant for your mouth. For, yeah, for, for, for your mouth. <laughs> it's so weird. But we we did, um, we used it a little bit when we were in Jumpstart because along with what Rice was doing along with us, they, they said, hey, we have this Lena device and um, we're going to use it. So we used it a little bit on, on when we were in Jumpstart. But then he saw how it worked and he knows so much about the Lena. I'm talking about Flavio Kuna. He's like, I have another program for you. And um, he said, we could use your two-year-olds. And we thought, oh, okay. Why not? And so (laughs) pick them up at the hospital when they're born. So um, then he explained to me, well, actually, it's going to be from your, it's going to be your 18 to 32 months. Um, baby, so I was like, "Whoa, okay, now you're talking about a year and a half." <laughs> yeah. And so, um, but that's okay because um, we started the program in the fall, and we had 55 families come on, and we do this through our intermediate campus. So our family liaisons in our intermediate campuses do our Lena Start program, and our elementary liaisons do our Jump Start program. And so we started it off at all six intermediate campuses. We had officially, we started with 55 families doing the Lena Start program, and we happily to say that we had 36 follow all the way through the program. It is a 10-week program. We will have it. We're actually in it now for spring, another 10 weeks. We just started. I think what the way you can also go back to the, the Lena device, and the Lena device, what happens is the families come, and our liaisons give them tips and a little curriculum about how to build your child's communication. They work with that. But then at the same time, our families take home this Lena device. They record once a week, so and then they return it back, and we download it, and we give them a report the following week when they come. And they're, and, rec- they're recording their conversations, yes, right? The it's, words it's, and the... It's, um, it's really, and you have to kind of convince our families because, yeah. you know, like Yadira said, you know, our, a lot of our families are afraid. You know, you're, you're saying you're recording. Um, who what are you going to give this to? Yeah, who are you going to give this to? Who's listening? Where is this going? Who's mm-hmm. listening? So um, we had to explain to them what's going to happen is the Lena device, you're going to place it. They get these cute little vests. The children get cute little vests. You put it into the pocket. That day that they record, and it's recording basically words. It's trying to see that communication. It's actually recording the turns, what we call them turns, and they're the most valuable. It's when an adult is speaking to a child and the child communicating back. So they're recording the turns, coming back and forth, communication that's going back and forth. And it's unique because the child isn't really talking, obviously, at that age. But the mom may say, how are you doing today? And then the baby does the baby talk back, right? But it's not actually recording what they're saying. It's very unique, just like a pedometer. A pedometer does not say where you've been but it tracks your your steps and that's how this Lena device works is it doesn't necessarily record the conversations and when they get there they download it 
and you can see the rhythms. So if you picture rhythms, that's kind of what it's doing. And it's so smart that it knows, oh, that's a TV rhythm. That's a radio rhythm. That's not talk. That's an adult to an adult talk. It is so smart. But the parents love it because they'll come in and they'll say, let's see if I've been a good parent today. Did I teach well this past week? And they can see the progress of the child. And Laura was even able to share some preliminary data regarding kind of the student's progress in the beginning, what we saw. When we first started, Rice also has a couple assistants that come in and they're there with me. They're assisting me trying to make sure that everything's going smoothly in the schools. And um, one of them approached me and she said, "Um, we have a slight problem. The readings from the report are showing a high number of families with students who are not at their their developmental age yet, meaning we have something called a snapshot. It's done at the beginning and the middle and the last part of the 10 weeks. So they took their first snapshot, the families did, and that snapshot basically is the family answers questions. Yes, my child has accomplished that. No, my child has not accomplished that yet. So it's kind of like a survey, Mm -hmm. and they go through it. Well, when they looked at it along with the reports, it showed a significant amount of our children who have not reached their developmental age. We're talking about a high number. If we, we started at 55, we're talking at least in the 40s, 40 of them. And so, which is probably reflective of the student population. Yes, exactly. So we are, um, we, we're worried. So we're thinking. She said, "You know, we're really going to need to start looking at that." And so we're like, "Okay." So it just seemed like the second snapshot. It was still there, and we could see it. It wasn't as much, but we could see it. But we are happy to say, by the time we finished in our ten-week program, we only had six of our children who were referred who what they consider referral. So then we were thinking, how do we refer them? Because really our families aren't, they are not enrolled in A-LEAF yet. Maybe they have children who are already enrolled in A-LEAF, but they, those children aren't. Right. So how do we reach them? If we truly want them to, we want to help them now, we need to figure out how to do it. So Chancellor got in touch with um, our special ed department and they were like, this is perfect. They didn't realize we were here doing that and we didn't know they were needing this. They told us that they were needing some way to contact the families who basically were given information that their child already needed some type of help. You know, we have a spectrum. You have children on spectrum of autism. We have those who go into PPCD for speech. You know, how do you find those families before till the child's actually diagnosed? Usually it's not until they start school. And so um, she said, this is perfect. This this works out. You, you're giving me the data mm-hmm. and the family's exactly. names. You're helping me and, and I'm helping you to make sure that we don't just have the Lena Start program and you leave them and you're like, oh, well, okay, your child needed some, you know, some extra help, but, you know, thank you for being in our program. No, when we finished the the 10 weeks, we made sure that we had a referral letter sent to all those families along with the information to go along with the special ed department for here for A-LEAF. They're going to make contact with them and they're going to make sure that they're still going to make contact as well with them, with the other families who did well. Just don't say, okay, you're great. You know, let's see if you, you know, you get into Jumpstart. No. So we were making sure that we follow up with these families and we still because we do. I mean, these are they're here in A-Leaf. They live here and we are family and community engagement. We need to grab our communities. So she's talking about 55 or 60 when in reality we probably have based on census data, we have (laughs) close to 5,000, two, three, four year olds in our community. What is your recommendation, particularly to the families like yourself that are or like you were 10 years ago what is your suggestion not only to us sitting at this 
around this podcast, but people listening, what what would you tell families and parents on how to take advantage of what we're doing? Well, my first recommendation is go to the family centers because there they're going to find these resources. These resources that is now Elif is starting with two years old. That is a huge advantage. When these children reach pre-K, they will have advantage to know how to sit down in a classroom, how to read. And I told you, in my, in my experience, we saw the difference between my nieces. Two of them went to jump and the other one, it was the first one, and we saw the difference the first year of pre-K. And now, I believe parents have to find uh, they they can find these uh, resources of the family center. So my recommendation: if you are in Alif, go to a school and find the family liaison, and they can help you. Even we can. Um, Sometimes a uh, school sends read with your children. That that is a good good resources right. too. They can use as, as uh, at home. Chancellor, you can't only have this conversation. You've done this before. You've done a podcast mm-hmm. with us yeah. before, and we've done multiple with our early literacy and early childhood staff. You can't have this conversation of early literacy, childhood, etc., and then family engagement in silos. Yeah. If I've taken anything with what I've learned from what our engagement centers are doing and what the families are in need of is first and foremost, they need a safe and secure place to, mm-hmm. to come into a built a school. Yes. But beyond that, we're just trying to teach them the English language mm-hmm. and how to communicate. Cause if you can't do that, it's going to be, you're not going to be successful, yeah. not just in yeah. school, but any part of our culture in society. Yeah, and then what we try to also do is let other families know, too, that it's not just about English either. Right. You know, some of our, that's what we've done the past seven years is kind of change that perception that, oh, it's just for families to learn English. Well, no, it's beyond that. It really is about also helping your child at home. That's for many families, the first step is to learn English, right? And then be able to feel more confident to help their children at home. And so we we always try to let everyone know that it's welcome for all. And right. that I love what you said about families feeling welcomed. And that is breaking down those barriers. And that really has a lot to do with equity and meaning education for all, for everyone to be able to come in and be able to help their child, not just some people to be able to help their children, but all people to be able to help their children. We do a great conference that's coming up on March 7th, our Family U Conference, and that is an opportunity for all to come out. It is an amazing event that happens from 8 to 2 o'clock, and we make sure and we try to break barriers for families to attend. We have Magic School Bus for kids who are 4-year-old to 4th grade-year-old. They have their own conference. And our middle school families, they have a conference for their kids. So they have a STEM conference. Our teachers, we have 100 staff. There's no room right now. That's already filled up. Uh, Teachers to be able to have their track of sessions to attend. And then families. And we have all types of sessions. We specifically this year made sure sessions were for our families with children with special needs. We even have teachers coming in to take care of their children as well. So it is an amazing event. Tons of prizes and free food, too. Um, But the the, free food. Free food. Free prizes, right? (laughs) And our schools, they all jump on board. So many different folks within ALEAF are a part of this conference. So when you talked about silos and things like that, that's what's unique about our district. 
you know, to build capacity, Dr. Karen Mapp always says you have to start with the infrastructure first. Yep. And that's what's unique about A-Leaf. When people ask me, I said, well, you have to get your school board and superintendent on board because we could not have done what we did without their yes first. And from there, it trickled down. And so we're excited just to be blessed to have that support behind us as well. And, um, you know, the conference is a great way for families to be able to learn, and it is open for all to come out as well. I find this conversation fascinating. I mean, we've, y'all, we've been going at this 50 minutes, almost 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I don't want to have this discussion and not talk about, I think, the elephant in the room that some people in society, not just in schools, if you're in schools and you do what you do, you know what you see it every day. But I think it's important to, to talk about in multiple ways, the sense of urgency that we have to get children into an educated, some type of formal educated system as early as possible. Mm-hmm. Our country has been built upon this school age child of kindergarten through 12th grade. Pre-K is just a recent, not phenomenon, it's just been a recent priority over the last 15, 20 years where we've, where the science of the of, of cognitive development for children and policy making has kind of come together to realize that children's brains are developing at their most between the ages of six months and or actually from birth to around seven or eight years old but particularly that two to four or five year old and if we as a society we as a in our in our in our case the state of texas if we're not investing in helping parents with children at that age group, then we're missing the prime time to teach them, not just the English language, or just yeah. to, to teach them, period. So I want those out there listening to this, uh, for those who are still listening to it, <laughs> I, want, I want them to understand the importance to, the, to, to our workforce development, to the future, not just helping a little two- or three-year-old get started and be ready for pre-K, but for that little two- or three-year-old 20 years later, when he or she is 21, 22, 23 years old, the advantage that we're giving them now, which is going to help all of us as we move forward. So I, I don't want to get a little overly dramatic here about our, our state depends on this, but our state depends on this. Yes. Yes. And I appreciate what you and others, particularly those who are reaching out and, and working with families who are bringing, whether they're brand new from El Salvador and don't speak the language and uh, or whatever part of the world they're coming to us from, we don't have any choice. We can debate some of those policy issues all day long, but what we cannot debate is the fact that if we don't educate those children and get them in a place to be educated as soon as possible, we're all going to suffer while we're over here arguing about policy. And we can argue about policy, but the real issues are taking place right underneath our noses while we're arguing it. So I'm grateful for the commitment, not only for, what, 22, 23 years, Laura, however long you've been doing this. And just listening to you talk about the passion that comes through your voice, there's no question that this is what the good Lord put you here to do, and this is why you're doing it. I'm so glad to have you. So, Yadira, thank you for what you've done. You're an example. Thank you so much. I would like to believe that if I were to leave the United States and go to El Salvador or to go to some other country, (laughs) that I would be able to do what you did. I don't think I would. I'd be curled up in the fetal position somewhere crying. Um, But in all seriousness, in all seriousness, you are an example for for other families. and. And, and what can be done. Thank you. And it's a pleasure. And I want to share my history where I can do and with all, what others can do. 
and I told every in every parent center I went, you can do this. You can learn English. You can be at sample. You can be a leader in ELIF, right. and you can do whatever you want. Good. And Chancellor, your leadership has been paramount to this, without a question, without a question. So, if you're a parent out there listening to this. And you don't speak the English language and you haven't understood a word I've said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm hoping that the message gets out that we want. Put pressure on me to grow the family engagement centers. Make it so that Chancellor and Laura and others have to come to me and ask me and the board, we need more room. We need more room. We need more room. <laughs> we need more room. <laughs> All right. I heard you. I heard you. All right. Well, thank you, ladies, again. Uh, appreciate your, your willingness to do this and your, and your commitment to our families and our kids. They are, they are, in many cases, our most vulnerable kids. So uh, with that, thank you for joining us today. This has been Impact Ed. I'm H.D. Chambers with A-Leaf ISD, and uh, have a great day. This has been an AMP production.